0: reading today's from Genesis chapter 32 verses 22 to 32. Jacob wrestles with God. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford at Jabbok. After he'd sent them across the stream he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. because you have wrestled with God and have and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. This is the word of God.
1: Great. I'm going to use this on like a little bit of a walk. Hello, everybody. My name's Andy. I'm the worship pastor here. Uh, if you didn't know, um, yeah, it's been great, great to have the opportunity tonight to, to speak to you guys. I mean, I do think I was a little bit stitched up with the Jacob wrestling with God. Um, Rupert said it, he, it was an accident, and I don't believe it. I really don't. Um, uh, yes, as Rupert alluded to earlier, I, I do wrestle. I'm a professional wrestler. wrestled for 16 years, and um, I'm a current heavyweight champion. Successful defense last night. We move on. Um, there'll be a, I'm sure there may be a story or two about wrestling, because you can't have that without anything like that. But we're going to get cracking, diving, straight into the passage. And looking tonight, my hope is that we'll be able to take a few principles of prayer uh, from looking at Jacob's wrestling encounter with God. Um, but I think before we kind of unpack this passage, it's worth just going back, just giving ourselves a little bit of context to how we're finding Jacob, where he is currently at this point. So it's worth saying that we find Jacob right now. He's scared, he's alone, and he's got nowhere left to run. Okay. It's also worth letting you know that Jacob um, has is minted. He's got loads of money. He's like got absolutely every resource you want. He's got it. And you might be asking the question, well, why is Jacob scared? Well, his brother Esau uh, has got 400 men coming after him. I mean, that's something to get you scared about. Um, he's alone. So for the first time in years, because for years he'd been on the run, um, and he's sent his, now his wife and his final servants over the brook away from him with all his resources, all his distractions have all gone away. So he's alone. Uh, and, and finally, Um, the reason why uh, he's kind of rich is because he stole his brother's inheritance, hence why the 400 men are after him, right? So you kind of get the full circle. Jacob, he's worried, he's scared, Uh, 400 men are after him. He's alone uh, because he's spent years on the run, uh, and the reason why he's on the run is because he stole his brother's inheritance. That's why he's minted. Um, And here we go. We find Jacob in this point of Scripture where he is about to wrestle with God. Right. So my hope is that tonight we'll be able to look through this uh, uh, interaction and take a few gems of God's nature and prayer for our own lives. The first thing that really stood out to me when looking at this passage, particularly at the start of this, was this, is that we need to get rid of distractions in prayer. Right. We need to get rid of the distractions that we have in prayer, because here's the thing. Right. Uh, and, And actually, not just our distractions, but those extra bits of insurance that you have in prayer. Do you know what I mean? I've got a story about that in a second. Um, Here we've got Jacob. He's got all the resources in the world, as I've already said. And he knows his brother and his men are coming for him. And actually a few passages earlier, he's actually tried to pay the men off. He's sent some money up to kind of bribe them to stop them coming after him. And yet they are still coming. They are still coming for him. And instead of him, you know praying to God and, you know, God, take these away from me and save me. He's trying to use his own personal resource to kind of pay these guys off. And it kind of reminded me of a story um, when I was at Nexus. So I studied at Nexus, which is a Christian music college up in Coventry. And when you're at Christian music colleges, right, you hear a lot of stories about how God provides financially for people. You know, you may have heard these amazing stories of like checks coming through the post or like bills being paid for or whatever. So I had this thing where I basically hadn't paid my phone bill um, for a month because uh, I had no money. And um, I get, get the text through that's like, your phone will be cut off at five o'clock today. And then we're going to have to get the money from you, you know, the bailiffs or whatever. Um, it's quite a scary moment. So I was like, right, I've got nothing else to do here but pray. So I was like, God, you know, this is going to be our moment, this moment where they're going to send me this text saying someone's anonymously paid your phone bill or like get the money through the post or in your bank account to be able to pay it. So I prayed this prayer like, God, you know, please, I need the money for my phone bill right now. I've got nowhere else. Just please, can you do it? You know, yes, amen, great. And then about 30 seconds later, I pick up my phone. Mom, mom, can you pay my phone bill for me? You know, and there she is putting the money in my account and I pay it. And I had that extra bit of insurance. My trust wasn't fully in God, but I had other distractions around me that took me away from maybe seeing God's faithfulness. Maybe I robbed God's faithfulness that day from me. I will never know whether he had plans to pay it another way. Now, of course, he may have blessed my parents in a way that they were able to pay it at that point. But maybe in my unfaithfulness or in my prayer of having these distractions around me, that robbed me of seeing God's faithfulness and glory for my life. And maybe there's things in our own lives where, where we have distractions that rob us from God. I mean one of the big ones is our phones, right? I mean I don't need to talk loads about it, but our phones, that nighttime or that early morning scrolling through our phones, pointless scrolling, can distract us and take time away from spending time in prayer. Maybe it's the stresses of work or other things that are going on in life that all big distractions but ultimately our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus and just two quick helpful tips maybe to help you when you're praying to kind of get rid of the distractions. One thing you could try is when you go to bed and you put your phone on charge is put your Bible on top of your phone so in the morning when you wake up you're grabbing your Bible you're not grabbing your phone it's something you could try bam there you go read a passage bam we're done help your prayer life. Um, Second thing is sometimes I struggle with this when I'm in prayer, like for long periods of time, staying like without my mind going somewhere. And something that someone told me once, uh, which was really helpful, was imagine that Jesus is sitting across from you in the room and you're talking to him in the chair. Because if we were in a room together and I was on my phone or I was like halfway through a prayer and then started thinking about my dinner, it'd be a bit weird. Um, So just two things to help you very practical things in terms of getting rid of distractions in your life, Uh, your phone with your Bible on top of it and just speaking to Jesus in this thing. Because here's the thing, at this moment, Jacob had to get rid of his distractions. There was nowhere else for him to go. There was nothing else for him to do in that moment but to wrestle with God. Which brings me to my second point, second part of knowing God's nature in prayer for us is this. God makes the first step to meet us in prayer. God makes the first step. Here's what happens. In verse uh, 24, it says this. uh, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Jacob didn't go after the man. The man came after Jacob. And I don't know about you, if you've got like nieces and nephews, um, or like Maybe you've been in a fight in the street. I don't know. But, like, when someone grabs you and jumps onto you and wants to wrestle with you, like, you're obliged to do it. Do you know what I mean? For a bit. Even if you're like, I've got my little niece, it's called Hallie, and she'll come and, like, you know, try and go. And I'm like, Hallie, not now. And even so, I still have to wrestle her off me to, like, you know, put her down. You're engaged with that. You have no other choice but to engage in that. And I believe that a principle in prayer for us to be encouraged by this is that God comes and meets us and makes the first step in prayer. What does that practically look like for us on our day-to-day life? I think that it's those moments where you get that desire or that gut feeling about praying for something. Maybe you're having a conversation um, with somebody and your heart is like wrenched because they're going through something and you're like, Man, I need to pray. Like I need to pray for that person. I believe that's God saying, Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's pray for that person together. I'm here put down the distractions, you know, improving our prayer life, seeing God makes the first step. Or in those moments where we do have nowhere else to turn, we've got that weight, we're like, man, I need to, I need to go to Jesus for this. And I do believe that if we had our eyes lifted and see that those moments where we desire to pray, that is God. I truly believe it. That is God grabbing us and going, come to me. Let's do this together. Because ultimately, God wants to be in relationship with you. He doesn't want you to do life on your own. He wants you to do life together. And so in prayer, God makes the first step. Now, I do know a thing or two about wrestling. I do. Um, And they say that they wrestled all night, right? I wrestled for 25 minutes yesterday. It was very tiring. I'm not going to lie, that was 25 minutes, and I was thinking about this, I was like, daybreak, we don't know what time of year it was, but, you know, if the sun sets, sometimes they at 4.30, and then it gets up at, what, seven, how many hours is that? Like, 15 hours, maybe? You know, maybe they're wrestling for so long, and that is, that. trust me, that would be tiring. There was a big process here, and... The question is always asked, or the first question I think anybody asks in this moment is, why didn't God just overpower Jacob? Like, he's God. You know, why didn't he just overpower Jacob? Well, here's another thing that I think for us to encourage us in prayer is that God meets us where we're at in prayer. God meets you where you are currently in prayer. You see, he came down and he matched Jacob's level. He didn't lose to Jacob. He came down and he matched Jacob's level. He matched the level of frustration. He matched the level of aloneness. He matched the level of um, feeling unworthy with Jacob. And it was at the point where he was like, right, we're at the same level now. You can't overpower me. And at this moment, I'm choosing not to overpower you. This This is where the wrestle is at. This is where we're at. And it was in that moment where God had finally met Jacob where it was, where he was at. And no longer wanted to overpower him, couldn't overpower him because he was at that level. He then began to show Jacob who he was. And he hit his hip, took out his hip. Bam, there goes your hip. Now, again, with my wrestling background, I've been very fortunate where I haven't actually had that many injuries. But there was one. Um, there's always one. Back in 2012, right, November 2012, in fact, the whole of 2012 had the best, like, year wrestling in my entire life, like, just absolutely, like, on fire, great matches, and for any wrestler, you want to be the main event of the biggest show of the year, if you, uh, if you ever watched WWE... They talk about WrestleMania. It's like, you want a main event WrestleMania. That's what people want to do. For me, it was a tiny little working men's club in Rushton. But I wanted to main event this show in November. And it just so happened that this show in November for the main event, they got a cage, cage, to go around the ring. So the ring's 16 foot square, and the cage is 15 feet high, right? So I imagine it's about, like, the lower height of the thing, you know, to the mat, maybe. That sort of gets the idea of how big this cage was, and we go into the match, we've been given 40 minutes, main event, got to be big, finishes the big story of the year, and I'm on top of the cage, 15 feet high, and we plan with my partner, he was going to hit me with a, with a suplex, okay, so a suplex is a move where you're hoisted, uh, if you're taking the move, you're basically held vertically in the air, and then you're landed on your back, and the idea is that both of you land flat on your back, and it's happy days, doesn't it? a little bit. Um, But we're 15 feet in the air, and and the guy was wrestling. He basically got scared (laughs) whilst we're doing this move. And so while he's doing this move, instead of him landing flat on his back, he decided to land on his bum, which meant that my head and my shoulder got driven into the mat. Bam. Not on my back, into my head and my shoulder. And kind of when I'd come round from, like, the cartoon birds in the air (laughs) as you, you know seeing stars it was my shoulder I couldn't lift my shoulder above this amount I couldn't continue to wrestle I was at the mercy of my opponent and here Jacob in this moment when God had met him where he was at and Jacob showed him he was God Jacob was at the mercy of God and here's what he did in this wrestling match, at this point where he was at the mercy of God, he held on to him. When he had nowhere else, when he was literally on his last leg, he held on to God, and he said, I'm going to hold on to you until you bless me. And maybe there's situations in our life where we need God to come and meet us where we're at, because we need to, we're holding on for dear life. We're on our last leg, and we're like, God, you have got, to bless me in this situation. That is the only thing left. There is no more distractions. There is nothing else. There is no more insurance policy. It's, it's me and you. We're locked in this and, and I know that you're God and I know that you're my king and I'm at your mercy but God, I'm going to hold on to you until you bless me. This is where Jacob was at and sometimes our prayer life is like that or should be striving towards that. Holding on to God for that blessing. So God meets us where we're at and he shows us that he is God in those moments. As we go through, the next thing I really got from this in terms of prayer is that in prayer, we are to come as we are. We're to come as we are. See, in verse 27, God asked Jacob what his name was. You see, God knew who Jacob was. He didn't need to know his name. But what I believe he wanted Jacob to do at that moment was to come as he was, come who he was. Because you see, back then, your name, you were named after your character, all right? So Jacob was a twin, younger twin. He came out of the womb grabbing his brother Esau's heel. Um, so he was a, a, his name, Jacob, meant heel grabber or deceiver because he had deceived his father into getting his inheritance. And I believe that God wanted Jacob to come as he was, as a heel grabber, as a deceiver. No frills, no money, no resources, just a realization of who he was and who God was. And here's the thing. God didn't reject him. God made him an overcomer. God didn't reject him for who he was or what he had done or who he thought he was. He made him an overcomer. And sometimes we think God doesn't want to bless us. Sometimes we think we're not good enough. Sometimes we think that we've gone too far down the dark path where God doesn't want anything to do with us anymore. And we put a barrier in place between us and God. We put this barrier in place. God doesn't want to know who I am, all these things that I've done. But God wants to meet you in prayer, make you an overcomer. He sent Jesus to rip down that barrier so you can have that relationship with him. In prayer. So these situations that you're wrestling with, these situations you're in prayer with, that you can become an overcomer. But it is a process. It's not, Bam, instant, sometimes. But here, Jacob had been on the run for twenty one years to this point. And then wrestled with God for fifteen hours, wrestling with him. You see, isn't what Christianity all about is about having a relationship with God, having a relationship with Jesus. That when the bad stuff comes our way, we take it to Jesus. When the moments of anxiety, when the moments of feeling down or feeling not good enough, when those things step into our world, we go, Jesus, you died on the cross for that. Let's do this together. And we can often put the barrier in place. But God wants us to come as you are and makes us an overcomer. Jacob's name didn't no longer become Jacob. You know, he was still called Jacob after that, but the meaning of his name was different. He was an overcomer. So in prayer, come as you are. God loves you for who you are. And he wants to make you an overcomer in the things that you're going through. And then finally, when we meet with God in prayer, things change. Things change. There was no doubt in Jacob's mind, the man that he wrestled was God. Why? Well, because at the end, he named the place after him. He named the place Peniel because it was where he came face to face with God. And even today, they still don't eat the, the socket joint of the hip but, um, uh, because of what God had done in Jacob's life. Jacob still walked away with the, the, like, the physical change. He still had his limp. And I want to encourage you that in your prayer life, when you're seeing God do stuff, to write it down, to journal, to make it a thing of being like, this is where I met God and this is what God did. Because here's the thing. In those moments, right, where we put this barrier up, in those moments of unbelief, where we believe God doesn't want to have anything to do with us, it's those moments where we've seen God move and change in our lives in prayer that inform our unbelief. When you've had those moments where you're like, this is undoubtedly God that has done something in my life. It's those things that inform your unbelief. If you don't write them down, we are very quickly to forget God's goodness. We're very quickly forget the moments where God has made us an overcomer. And so it's really important that in our prayer life, we're seeing God move And shape us and and change things. And we've wrestled with God. We've had real moments, tangible moments with God. Maybe some of you are going through some things right now that are just massive. And you're beginning to see God unlock some things. Or maybe you're still crying out for those things. Continue to write them down. Because when we see God move and change and do those things in our lives, those things inform our unbelief and help us in our prayer life. So one. Get rid of the distractions and the insurance. Trust in God's promises. Have your eyes fully focused on him. Two, God makes the first step in prayer. Why? Because he wants to be in relationship with you. He doesn't want you to do life on your own. That's why he sent Jesus. Two, God wants to meet you where you are at in prayer. He doesn't need you to come super holy He's going to meet you where you're at in prayer in the things that you're going through. Come as you are. Don't be scared of feeling like you're not good enough because God loves you and accepts you and wants to make you an overcomer. And finally, when we meet with God in prayer, things change. We leave changed. Situations change. And there's a practical thing, you could write some of those things down when they happen, because they will inform your unbelief. So just as we head into some, you know, potential ministry time, just some, just three things that um, were just on my heart that the team would love to pray for you about if it's appropriate for you. Uh, one of them is maybe there's some of you here that um, have a situation in your life where now there really is Nowhere left to turn but to Jesus. And you've been maybe this situation might have been going on for a long time or it might be a new thing. But you're in this wrestling match and you're like, God, I just need you to bless me. We want to stand with you in prayer for that blessing. Two, I want to pray for those that maybe have put that self-made barrier in place between yourself and God. I believe that God sent Jesus to remove the veil. The veil was torn to remove that barrier. And so I'd love uh, for us to pray for you and stand with you and getting that self-made barrier removed and accepting who you are and that God wants to make you an overcomer. And then finally, maybe some of us need help in putting the distraction down, whatever that is. Could be your phone, could be an addiction, could be um, work or stress or whatever it is. We want to pray with you around coming around the distraction and putting them down. Let me just pray and then I'll hand over. Oh God, we just thank you for your goodness and how we know you want to meet us in prayer. Father, I just pray that we will um, be more focused on who you are and your goodness now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.